Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Coach's Corner on the Fitter and Faster Swim platform. Today, I am super excited to have my high school coach, uh, a man that any introduction uh, doesn't do justice for, and somebody that I've been excited to get on a show for a long time. Joining me today in the program is the head coach of the Albany Academy Swimming and Diving Program, Scott Young. Scott, welcome to the program. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Looking forward to it myself. You know, I still have a little trepidation saying Scott Young for some reason. I, I want to say Coach or Mr. Young. Uh. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. I was I was thinking about that today, and um, because I have students of mine, and that uh, that when they're in my classroom, they if they're swimmers as well. I watch them struggle with it and have that mental block where, what, what, you know, coach, it's okay. Call me what works for you. <laughs> there are a, lot of people can't call, a lot of people can't call me Scott. You know. Stone Cold? Stone, Stone Cold, Cold still works. I still have the poster and I still have the autographed uh, photo on my desk. <laughs> yep. So here we are about 23 years ago and it was my, my junior year of high school. It was your first year as head coach. The previous few years, we had been fourth, fifth. I think we might've been third the year before you got there. And nobody had really met you yet. And we sit down in the bleachers and we're all kind of talking. And as you know, you have a voice that tends to carry. Uh, and, and once you got everybody's attention, the first thing that you said to this young group of 10th, 11th, 12th graders was, guys, this year, we're going to win our conference championship. And it was dead silent. And some of us were like, who the heck is this guy? Right. And so our topic for conversation today was teaching leadership and having success in a high school program. You've coached at many different uh, levels. You were a coach for college at St. Lawrence university. Um, you, you coached at some prep schools You've coached at Stanford Swim Camp. You've done your own uh, consulting and coaching. So what do you think the foundation of your program has been since those early days at Academy back in 1998? Um, so let, let's go back to that day <laughs> when, I, when I walked out of the deck and, uh, and, and said those, those fateful words. Um, one thing that, uh, that I like to be is prepared. And uh, I already knew the talent that I had to deal with uh, because Jim Poole had already shared with me the results from the previous year. And I, in a brief meeting with him, I said, uh, how have these guys not won a championship? And, uh, and, and he said, just not the, the right chemistry, just not the right leadership. It, it's gonna, it's gonna take, it's gonna take some work. And I said, well, it, it all starts with with what you what you believe. And and uh, if if I can get a one, two, three guys to to believe in in what I'm trying to what I'm trying to accomplish, uh, then it becomes a lot easier. You want everybody else to jump on and let those guys bring them along. And uh, so, I, you know, I guess, I guess for me, the, the big thing that has enabled me to be successful as a coach is, is exactly that. Just, just believing, uh, believing in my athletes, uh, believing in the process, believing in a dream that, Perhaps the, the young men sitting in front of me when, when we talk about our season goals, um, the, the, those young men have never even considered. Um, I know that you're going to want to share some anecdotes, but um, I had a perfect example just a, a couple of years ago. Um, young man was, uh, had never swum anything other than freestyle for his club team. And he came to Academy as a ninth grader. And, uh, and he was like a 2750 freestyler in eighth grade for a local club. And uh, we started our season doing some drilling. And uh, 
and I had, we were on uh, butterfly day. It was really early in the season. We're just doing drills and uh, we were doing some, some body dolphin stuff. And then we started working the arms and, and uh, doing some drills with that. And, and every time I asked him to do something, it, it just clicked for him. And I, I said, are you sure you've never swum butterfly? No, I'm, I'm just freestyle. I said, okay, well, what, what, uh, what, what do you think you want to become? He said, he said, I, I really don't know. This kid's in ninth grade. I mean, he, he has no clue. And, uh, and he said, but, but coach, I forgot to tell you today's Wednesday. Um, okay. <laughs> Day between Tuesday and Thursday sounds good. Um, I have choir practice tonight at, at six o'clock. I got to get out of here to get to choir practice. And one of the things that, that I believe, in, and I might be kind of different here, our, our young men and women have so many things on their plate these days that to, to, to say that swimming should be their top priority, they don't even know what their top priority is yet. So anyway, he, he said, I got to go to choir practice. I said, well, listen, before you go, we're going we're gonna to put these drills together in succession and see how it goes. So once you hear in the shallow end, uh, do A, B, C in a row when I blow the whistle. So he does it A, B, C in a row, blow the whistle, and he, he does it absolutely perfectly, and my eyes go wide open. And uh, he, he stops, and he looks up, and he goes, how was that? I go, eh, it'll do for your first day of ever butterfly. That kid, the next year, by the, by the end of that year, he had never swum butterfly before. By the end of that year, he's a 10700 butterflyer. Comes in, start of the next season, and he's going about a 103. And uh, before the season started, and I asked him at that point, what is your goal for this year in the 100 butterfly? He said, I'd like to, I'd like to break a minute. And uh, I looked at him square in the eyes, smiled and said, that's a terrible goal. I'm pretty sure the word terrible wasn't the word I used. And he was taken aback by that. And I said, listen, uh, the goals you set for yourself are the, are the things that can limit you the most. And that line, for the record, I stole from Dr. Alan Goldberg, a sports psychologist over in Amherst, Mass. Um, and, and he said, well, what do you think my goal should be? And I took him by the arm and I led him over to our record board. And I pointed up at the record board and I said, how about the school record 5337? And he looked at me and he goes, that's fast. <laughs> and I, I started going, you think? It's the fastest it's ever gone in history at this school. He goes, well, I, I can't get there this year. I didn't say you have to get there this year. It's a long range plan. You're only a sophomore. Let's see what we can do. That, that young man, his senior year went 50.88 in the 100 butterfly. and was our school record holder um, until our recent school record holder took it over. But the, the point being, as, as leaders ourselves, as coaches, we have to recognize that the, the, the body sitting in front of us in these, in these meetings, especially when, when you've got 14 year old kids sitting in front of you, they have no idea, no idea uh, about anything, frankly, but certainly about where they could be three, four years down the road. They barely know what they're gonna be doing before they leave practice, uh, especially in this day and age of, uh, uh, of immediate instant gratification. To, to think about a, a process that's gonna take you three years is just completely foreign. So, so we as coaches really need to, to think about uh, how to guide them to goals that, you know, I, I hear a lot of, well, do you have a conversation with them? Do you, do you, it, that conversation isn't going to go really far, you know, in a lot of cases, because that athlete might not have any idea. And, and, and so you've got to kind of guide it and say, hey, this is a possibility. This is a dream. And then you get the kid that, that, that really thinks that he's going to be, you know, the next Michael Phelps or whatever. 
And anyway, whoa, whoa, Sparky. <laughs> let's, let's slow down. You're, you're, you're 103, 100 freestyle as, as a sophomore in high school, probably not going to get you there. But I can come up with a goal for you in the next two, three years that, that, that is going to challenge you and, and get the most out of you. And, and, and you will contribute to our team by just doing what we ask of you. Certainly. And, and it's been so impressive, especially the last two years. You mentioned the 100 fly. You, you had an athlete go 50 point. Now you've had an athlete go sub 50. And, and the training is mostly being done with you. You know, they're, they're club kids too, but you're getting the most out of those performances. The two things that I, I know about you that your team philosophy is built around, and, and you mentioned some of it. When you were at Stanford, you learned this phrase that Richard used to use a lot, Richard Quick, and that was uh, believe in belief. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know how important that is to you. And I know that that's something you talk to your athletes a lot about. But I think the most important thing about the program at Academy and the biggest takeaway from me being in the program was how important it is to be a great teammate. So how do you cultivate those things and what kinds of things are you looking for in terms of leadership with your swimmers? Um, well, I'm glad you mentioned Richard Quick. Uh, one of the, the best experiences of my coaching career was having that opportunity to coach out there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we as coaches and teachers are, are notorious for, for, for borrowing from, uh, from each other. Um, but I, but I took my, I took my professional plagiarism to a whole new level. I, <laughs> I kept a, I kept a three, a, a little marble, those marble bound uh, pocket notebooks. And I kept it in my pocket when I was on the pool deck and a, a, a mini golf pencil. <laughs> and I would hear these little phrases and, and, and uh, cues that, that, that the coaches there would use to, to uh, elicit some kind of change. And I immediately pulled it out, scribbled it down and snuck it back into my pocket uh, so that nobody knew that I was actually taking notes on this stuff. Uh, but some of the best stuff that I got was, was, the, was the motivational kind of thing. And um, one of my favorite lines that I came back from Stanford with was everyone is more important than anyone. It is a thread that runs through our team. And to, to cultivate that, you know, you mentioned that my, my top tier guys, you know, in, in a dual meet, nobody's going to beat my 49-400 butterflyer. But in that dual meet, he's going to score six points. He doesn't score bonus points by beating somebody by five additional seconds. He doesn't get 11 points for that five super, super win. So if, if we are going to be successful as a team, it, it's not just those superstars leading the way. It's the, the guys that get you a fifth place finish in each one of your individual events and swings the meet 20 points or 18 points, uh, nine for us, nine against the other team. And, and you know very well what my next quote is going to be. You win the close races, you win the meet. When you explain to your club swimmers that are on your varsity team that, listen, you are extremely valuable, but you might, might not be valuable in your event. You might match up better against somebody in another event. And I might give up a first place to, to an athlete on the other team in your event. But we're going to go two, three, five against them. We're going to get an eight-eight split there, and then we're going to score big because you're taking out one of their big guns in another event. So, being honest with your athletes about about what it means to contribute to something greater than yourself—that that the success of that team is going to be much more fun than just you winning every individual event or being the the uh, the guy that that anchors a relay to a win. Hey, that's all great. We need that. You need those guys on your team. But you also need those guys over in lane six, cheering on the worst swimmer on your team. 
And nothing really makes me more proud to see at, at a competition or in practice when, when the best guys in the pool are, are trying to get the, the, the most out of the underclassmen, the most out of that kid that struggles to get up and down the pool and to convey to a group of 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old boys that, that you as an 18 year old, your words mean the world to that insecure 14 or 15 year old that is just coming out for the sport for the first time that sees you going of 4,700 freestyle and, and you're out there in the outside lane uh, just trying to make maybe a 110, break 110 in the 100 free. And that 4,700 freestyler comes over and says, hey, I, I saw that, that last turn, try this. That kid will now be in for, for, for the next three, four years because that best swimmer talked to me today. You know, you're the insecure kid in the outside lane that, that is trying to find, just trying to find your way, uh, not, just, not just on a team or in a sport, but, but through the, the, the rigors of high school and all of the social garbage that you have to put up with there. To have those guys in leadership roles on your team just say something nice to one of the younger guys. And then all of a sudden watching what that does to your team. I know you'll probably cut this part, but I say time and time again, whenever you talk about the success that we have now, it is, it is the result of not just the, that group of guys back in 1998 that believed in what I was selling, but it was also that group of guys that believed that that team meant more than an individual contribution. And I give a lot of credit to, to all of you guys that, that led the way then, led us to a championship that first year and got everybody else to believe in it. And I, I, I still, to this day, remember Andrew Loomis. Uh, and, and, I, and, you know, I'm hesitant to throw names out there, but I got to throw, throw Andrew Loomis a shout out. Isn't he like an NBA executive now or something? Yeah, no doubt. And, and I remember we were in the throes of just the, the, the worst part of January. You know, you're, you're getting to that point where, where the season has been grinding on for two and a half, three months. And everybody's exhausted. And, and, and he just, he, would, he was a, a sprinter only. Uh, 50 yards was, was stretching him to his limit. If he went 51, you might have to have an AED ready. And, and he said, you know, coach, I, I got to talk to you. And I, I said, what is it, Andrew? He goes, goes you know, I don't know that, that all this work is worth it. He said, he said you know, I'm not going to swim in college. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, this is not a real big part of who I am. I, I just don't see why, why I should continue to put in all this work. And I took him aside and rather than, than say, okay, good riddance or getting his face about it, I said, so, well, on day one, I said, we were going to win a championship. Have you ever won a championship in anything? No. I said, well, let me just tell you, I've never won a championship in anything either. But from what I've seen and what I've heard, it's a pretty cool experience. And Andrew, I know that we have the kind of team right now that is, that is poised to, to make a run at a championship and you're a valuable member of that team. But he, he looked at me and was kind of stunned that I even said that because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't one of our top tier guys. He wasn't a guy that was scoring a lot of points. Where does he get us a third place in a 50 free here and there? He get us a, a third place in a hundred fly here or there. And I said, but I'm going to ask you to do some things that are going to get you out of your comfort level. I might ask you to do events that you never thought that, that you could do, but if I'm asking you to do that, it's for the good of the team. And I want you to buy into that. I want you as a senior, one that's kind of disaffected and done. I want you to be one of those guys that, that people notice a change in and, and that you're going to do whatever it takes to make this team click. Lo and behold, he went from being a 50 freestyler. Remember when he swam at, at our championships? 200 IM. 
And, and it was all about scoring points in that consulate or in the top eight. We snuck them into the top eight. I think that's all we scored to back then is top eight. And, and he would have never made the top eight in the 50 free. And, and we were in a battle trying to scrape together any points we could. And, and we had our post championship uh, dinner. Um, and uh, I had promised him when we had that conversation about whether it was worth it or not, I said, I'm, I'm gonna make a promise to you that, that when we win this championship, you and I are gonna have this, a very similar conversation. I'm going to ask you, was it worth it? Because at that point, it wasn't worth it to him. And I walked over to him, he was sitting on the couch next to his mom. And I walked over and sat down next to him. I put my arm around him. I said, you know, you know, it's coming, don't you? And he said, yes, coach. I said, was it worth it? And he got this big grin on his face. And he said, absolutely worth every minute of it. And, and that right there was when I, I, I kind of knew that we were going the right direction as a team, not just a group of guys coming together as individuals and go about their own business, but be, be good teammates. Um, and that is, that is been the thread that has gone from, from those very early years to, to today. We have guys that are just tremendous teammates for each other. Um, <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite uh, psych ups before our 2017 championship. Uh, we were on the deck before finals. And uh, I actually woke up at three o'clock in the morning and composed my speech because <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I see. And, and, and I wrote it down and, and Sean Hemwell will, will attest to this because I was texting him at that hour. <laughs> he didn't answer me because he was sleeping. But I composed my, I composed my speech and I, I got in our little huddle before the meet and I said, you know what, guys? I said, every day we come to practice, we have a great time. You guys support each other. Uh, you cheer each other on. You're fantastic teammates. I said, and I've said time and time again, how much I love this team. And let me talk to you a little bit about love because and understand I'm talking to 14 to 18 year old boys in a tight huddle. Let me talk to you guys about love. Love is putting somebody else's needs before your own. Every one of you over the course of this season has put this team before your own glory, before your own highlight reel, whatever the case might be. So whether you like it or not, you all love this team too. So let's go out there and let's use our power of love and let's win this thing. It was at that moment I knew that, that it didn't matter it, did, it didn't matter to me what was going to happen in the pool because nobody was going to beat us. Uh, and, and we were in the battle the whole way and ended up, uh, ended up winning a pretty close championship. But those guys were all in for each other. And that's I all think, that mattered. I, I think that that has been, you know, the defining thing of your programs. And, you know, you talked a lot about some different things there that, that ended up being really the perfect answer to that question. And, and what a great discussion point. Um, what I wanted to, uh, to pick out of those comments were several things. The first, uh, a quite humorous one, in that I also remember you challenging Andrew Loomis to a push-up competition, which I think- No, you, no, 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 no. He challenged me. Yeah, that's right. Which I think you won uh, <laughs> by a long shot. Um, the I, other thing- I, I won by doing four push-ups. <laughs> And the, the other thing that I wanted to talk about inside of, of those, those comments was um, there are moments as a coach, right, where we have this feeling to want to overcoach, to want to get in there, to want to say something else. But you have been particularly good at knowing the moments to step back and say, you know what, the work is already done. The, the culture is built. These guys know what they need to do. And I remember the first time you telling me that was, uh, was, was my junior year uh, before the 200 free relay. Now, back in the, in, the, in the 90s, there wasn't a lot of high school teams going under 130 uh, in the 200 free relay. And we happened to have a really good crew. And uh, you told me before finals, you were walking up to go 
get us psyched up and we were in a huddle and you stopped yourself and you said, I, I don't need to do that. How do you get, how do you get yourself in tune with those moments so that, uh, you know, you just trust the athlete? You, you, you keep a, a pocket Ouija board uh, <laughs> close at hand and, uh, and hope it comes. You ask the question, should I go over there? And if it comes up, yes, then you do. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and, and, um, and, uh, give credit to, to Alan Goldberg again, a sports psychologist. I mean, um, the, the big thing is about, it's, it's about trust in, in learning to learning to trust your athletes. And, and frankly, uh, that year, I don't know if you remember this, but we were, we were trying to figure out how we were going to organize who the personnel that were going to go into our three relays. And I don't know if you remember. So, so again, I, I don't know any of you guys from Adam, you certainly don't know me and you don't know what, whether you can share as a high school uh, athlete, whether you can share things with me and I'm going to be receptive to them or not. But JP Lum said to me, he goes, the way you have the, the relays, I would be much more effective here. And then, then I can also, I can go the, the medley and the 200 free relay. And then you, and I don't remember all the moving parts, but I thought, holy cow, that makes sense. So, so right there, what you think is, is kind of an interaction that doesn't really matter. It mattered a lot because it showed uh, a really a, a disgruntled senior. He had had a rough year that year. Remember that he had an injury to his, his, to his foot that kept him out of the water for two weeks when we were doing our hardest training. Um, but he also wanted to be a part of a team winning a championship. And, and he said, if, if we use me in this relay and this relay will probably be a much better fit than if you ask me to have to swim a hundred freestyle after the hundred back when I'll be shot because I have no aerobic base left after missing the amount of time that he missed. So so that taught that that alone taught me a lot, and and that came that also came with being the the son of a swim coach, uh, who back in the day before you had the internet, and yes, the internet hasn't existed forever. The night before a swim meet, if it was a, going to be a closed meet, we'd have newspaper clippings spread out all over the living room floor, and I we get to a point where I'm like, I got dad, I gotta go to bed. It, no, 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 no. What, what were you saying about so-and-so and so-and-so? I'm like, listen, I got to go to bed. I'm, I'm exhausted. But, but he taught me, even though it was the kind of the father-son dynamic, it was still an athlete and a coach dynamic. And he taught me the, the value. He, he showed me that he trusted things that I came up with. And so I carried that with me for a really long time. Um, and, and you were speaking of the, the 200 free relay. Uh, my, my version of the story is, is a lot better <laughs> um, because, because we had the number one seed. So we were in the last heat and uh, we, we, had, we were the only ones that had gone 134. I mean, I mean, back in the day that was coming out of the season. That was a pretty quick time. 134.11 to be precise. Um, and, and again, this is, this is our first taper going into our first championship. And you guys, you guys don't know whether it's going to work or not. And, uh, you know, you, you talk about trusting your training and trusting your athletes. I was a, a nervous wreck. <laughs> is, is my, is this taper going to work? And, um, and I remember you guys were down at the, down the starting end of the pool and, First team goes up, the number three seed goes up and throws down a 133. I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> the next heat goes, and you guys all kind of looked up at the, the board and just kind of nod your head. And then the next heat goes up, and sure enough, a 132 goes up on the board. And I'm like, oh well, I gotta go say something. And I started my way down the down the pool deck. And and that's when I saw the, the four of you with your heads together with locked locked in arms and uh, you came out of that huddle and stood behind the blocks 
looking straight ahead, not looking at anything. You had shut everything out. And I immediately made a 180. And uh, one of my good friends, who's a coach from uh, an opposing team, Mike Panetta, looked at me and goes, goes, yeah, that's probably best. You would have screwed that up. And, and sure enough, then you guys went up and, and threw down at the fastest the fastest time of prelims. And, and then the, the two days later, you guys went 129. Uh, and and that, was, that was the beginning of, of when all those underclassmen saw, holy cow, all that work that we did was worth it. And, and he just let them run, run free and, and have at it. And, uh, and, and honestly, that was the reinforcement I needed to, to be able to know, okay, here's where I, I push a little harder. Here's where I back off. And, and the value of knowing your athletes, and, 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 and this is where the, the whole teacher coach thing comes in. If you only know them for a little sliver of time in the afternoons, you've got to do your best to, to find out what makes that athlete tick. Maybe an out, the example I gave earlier, the kid that, that really wanted to be a part of this, this really impressive choir. Hey, you know what? Swimming isn't your priority. I get it. It will be at some point when your voice changes, <laughs> but, but you have to, you have to find out kind of what drives each athlete. And this is, this is where I see, a, a, if, if you look at programs that just go hard, go hard, go hard, go hard, um, sometimes they lose some of those athletes because it, it gets stale and, and every day is a, is a balancing act. Is today the day that we just push through or is today the day that I'm looking out at them and I feel a vibe and, 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 and we should probably finish now. <laughs> you know, I, I still have an hour and 15 minutes left of this two hour practice, um, but the next hour and 15 minutes isn't going to be worth squat. Um, and, and, and frankly, <laughs> and, and with, with the uh, things that COVID has done to our practice sessions, it's a little harder to do that. But at the same time, uh, I've recognized that, that trying in a shortened season to do the old paradigm of of spending a lot of time doing uh, nervous system training and then building the aerobic base and then doing the speed and throw that all out the door. We got to try something new. I, I was amazed today when I, I keep track of how many days of practice we've had. We've been in the water for 25 days, 25 days. If I was comparing that to last year, 25 days puts me at Wednesday before uh, Christmas vacation last year. And yet on Friday, our medley relay goes 138.3 in speedos in what amounts to a, a, in a virtual meet, which is what amounts to a time trial. And, and I, I took them aside after the, after the meet and said, um, I'm kind of as, as stunned as you, <laughs> uh, but is there any doubt that what we're doing seems to be working? And every one of them had these wide eyes. No. <laughs> so, so let's stay on it and let's go and see where this takes us. I, I think that is one of your strongest suits, right? And, you know, there's kind of, um, there's kind of this really cool perception about you, the people that know you. You know, Scott Young can take a kid out of the hallway, walk into chemistry class, and in three years, he's 2148 in the, in the freestyle. You know, that, that's kind of like the, that's kind of the, Scott Young finds a kid uh, while he's walking to the cafeteria in Academy uh, who's never swam before, and in two years, he's 53 and 100 fly. You know, so I, I, I think there's so much power in belief in that program. You know, you, you just mentioned you, you have a 200 medley relay you know, unshaved, no taper, just getting up on the blocks in briefs, throw down a 138 low 200 medley relay for high school right now. With, with, with half of that relay being season only varsity swimmers. That's right. They don't swim year round, right? Don't swim year round. And uh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's the a, fun part. Yeah, it's it's a great segue to 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 talk about my next my next item, which is the way that you train. 
And because you are a scientist by nature, you know, you teach several science classes, you're, you're a full-time teacher. Um, and those classes happen to be one of them, anatomy and physiology. Um, you have some keen insights on what works, what gets humans to perform at a high level, and you are implementing it really in one of the coolest swimming experimental laboratories, uh, I think, in the country, because like I said, you can take these kids and, and you really turn them into great athletes rather quickly. So talk a little bit about the way that you train and how that's evolved since I was uh, swimming for you in high school. The phrase, if I knew then what I know now comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, if, if that was the case, you and I wouldn't be talking right now because you would have been a lot faster. Um, you know, again, if, 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 if I could give advice to a young coach, it's, Go out and learn as much as you can from as many different people. Um, when, when that opportunity came knocking for me to, to get out to Stanford and work uh, at the Richard Quick Stanford National Swim Camp, I met some phenomenal uh, coaches from around the country working there as, as counselors. And every night we picked each other's brains. And, and then uh, one, of my, one of my favorite parts of the of the camp was was when Richard would be in the lounge with us uh, and he would have just open forums where he could ask him any question and uh, and and I remember him you know you throw out questions about training and this athlete and that athlete and then somebody lobbed a grenade in and and the, the grenade that came that came landing in the middle was what was your best team that you have ever coached? <laughs> and immediately all the heads turned and looked at the coach that asked it. And, and if this was in a high school classroom, it would have been, ooh. <laughs> and the best thing that happened was that Richard Quick looked at the coach and said, that question is easy. It's the one I'm coaching now. And the coach that asks the question starts flipping through and trying to figure out who he's got on the team. Go, wait a minute. You have no, there are no Olympians on your team now. You had team, you had you had Olympic medalists on your teams and this NCAA champion team. And he goes, it, it, it's an easy question because if I answer that question any other way, I'd be cheating the athletes that I'm coaching right now. If I'm looking down the road two or three years, or if I'm always looking back, I'm not giving my fullest energy to the athletes that deserve it right now. I've used that for the, for the longest time. And I, I know I've kind of taken a little detour here, um, but it's helped keep me grounded. And, uh, and, and, and it, it helps keep my attention on what's important. While I was there and, and picking up all that information from Richard Quick and Milton Elms, and honestly, you know, my kind of my, my one of my favorite brushes with, uh, with coaching super stardom and was, was getting to actually hear John T. Skinner uh, take an athlete through some of the language that he was using. I understood like every fifth or sixth word of it. Uh, and I don't mean because of his, his accent. I mean, because he was so technical in what he was describing back then, this is 20, maybe 20 years ago, that, uh, that, that I realized that there was so much more to the sport than just writing a workout on a board. Um, my, you're, you're aware that this is not my, my normal voice. This is my coaching voice. Uh, which I lose about three days into every season. And, and the reason why is because I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make sure that I give every single athlete in the water feedback, whether it's positive or negative. If you're doing something right, you got to know that you're doing it right. If you're doing something wrong, my God, you better know that you're doing it wrong. Um, but that experience at, at, at Stanford 
one of the things that Richard said when we were all gathered with all the athletes uh, on the little berm by the, by the pool and all the coaches, he said, uh, take a look at this pool. He goes, it's gorgeous, right? Yeah, 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 it's gorgeous. Two 50-meter pools outdoors and, and yeah, and then there's the stadium and your new diving tower. Yeah, it's kind of gorgeous. Um, take a look at this. Uh, this is my learning laboratory. And he gesticulates to the pool. He goes, I don't know if what we are going to try is going to work or not, but we're going to try different things. We're going to try things that, that might be theoretical. We're going to try things that, that all of these great stroke mechanics people are talking about, come up with new drills, but this is my laboratory and I'm going to try new things all the time. If they work, great. If they don't work, we won't do them anymore. And, and then I had a guy did a, in that same year, a guy came into to class and he was a, an alum of Academy. I don't even remember his name, but he had, he had asked if he could talk to my, my, one of my science classes. And he started waxing poetic about Aristotle. I'm like, guy, this is, this is anatomy and physiology. This isn't philosophy. And he said something that stuck with me. And, and I made that connection to what, what Richard was talking about. He said, um, Aristotle says that I am a wise man because I know the depth of my own ignorance. Meaning I don't have all the answers. And, and so, so again, talk about trusting your athletes. Every time I've found something new that, that could be kind of the next big thing, look at it from a scientific standpoint, is this pseudoscience or is this real science? There's a lot of pseudoscience in our sport. If it's real science and it's backed by, if it's a physiological thing and I, I can follow the, the science, like you sent me something again that you saw at a conference and, uh, <laughs> and it, it, I think it was something that, wasn't it something that Jonti had presented about the Cori cycle for yes. lactate for lactate? Yes. I remember you you sending me the PowerPoint and and the, the <laughs> your subject line was um, I I don't understand any of this do you <laughs> and, and and I went through <laughs> I went through the PowerPoint and I'm like holy cow holy cow holy cow and I immediately like after I digested it for a couple of days I emailed you back and I said, I think my, my email said something like, do you know what this means? And your reply was, no, that's why I was asking you. You were like, you were like Doc uh, in, in Back to the Future. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Um, but but here's, here's where the, the whole trusting your athletes and coming at it from a science standpoint and using the pool as your own little learning laboratory. Um, <laughs> The drills that I do now, you've, I've shared some of those with you. If, if I took anybody from even 10 years ago and told them, we're going to do this drill, they wouldn't follow any of the language that we're using right now. It's all different. And the reason why it's different is because we develop different language based on what I see works with the different athletes. And, and, and if it makes sense to them, I'm going to use it. Um, you know, we had to, when we first, when we first integrated snorkels into our, into our repertoire, I was hesitant to do it because, because I watched it at, at swim camp, uh, the, the nine and 10, 11 and 12 year olds uh, spending most of the hour session going underwater and holding the tube on top. You know, and I'm like, I don't have that kind of time. But then I, I saw the value in it. And I said, but I don't have any drills that go with snorkels other than the ones that we added, that we learned at Stanford. So we developed a whole new set of drills and we continue to develop it. And once we added the snorkels in, I, I, I decided at that point, we were the only ones around that were using them. And uh, I said, I'm, I'm never going back. 
We use them all the time. When, when you see these polls online of how often do you use a snorkel? Every day. How often do you drill? Every day. How often do you use fins? Never. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's kind of funny when, when you look at some of the, the things that we use and some of the things that we don't. Um, it, it's all kind of situational, but there's stuff that, that you see that really works with your athletes. And so you, so you run with it and you, you say, hey, I, I think this is going to work. Um, let me go back to, to the, the, the trusting your athlete part. So back when it was your, it was your senior year. And I don't know if you remember this. But between your junior year and your senior year, I, I got a little kind of into some um, exploring with some drills and saw that Terry Laughlin was kind of setting, starting his own business, Total Immersion Swimming. And he was really focusing on teaching kind of non-swimmers to become, you know, decent, decent enough swimmers to be able to compete in triathlons and that kind of thing. And then, and then really a lot of what he did was kind of transformative because all that he talked about was posture and line. And all of a sudden he said, wait a minute, you mean you don't swim looking forward with your water line here? And I came back and, and, and started using those drills with you guys. And we, we changed our head position and we changed our line in the water. And we started talking about things like balance and posture and, and using your lungs as a fulcrum of a giant lever, all that kind of stuff that, that really is big now. We were doing that on a varsity team your second year, or your, I'm sorry, my second year, your senior year in high school. And I remember sectionals that year we, going in, going into the meet, we knew we didn't have a championship team. I had you and Tom Roman, both phenomenal swimmers, but I had a problem. My problem was that I was going to have to vote for one of you guys for outstanding competitor of that meet. And so being the science guy that I am, the way that you solve a problem like that is you do it with something that isn't subjective. You do it with something that is measurable. So you're both in the 200 free relay together. You're both in the 400 free relay together. You're swimming the 50, Tom's swimming the IM. And Tom said, coach, you, would you mind if I swim the 100 free? Opportunity, problem, solved. Whoever wins the hundred gets my vote because going in, I had told you guys that our dream was that we were going to win two relays at sectionals, which everybody thought was crazy, <laughs> including several of our family, uh, several of the families on the team thought I was nuts thinking I was going to knock off some of the best programs in the section. And then I thought, you're both on the relay together. That's two first places. You're going to win the 50. That's a, that's a first place. He's going to win the IM. That's the first place. Whoever wins the 100 free gets my vote. Great plan. You guys take off and, and you're the only ones in the pool with your heads down. Everybody else is swimming face forward in the water. And I, I again, my buddy Mike Panetta, coach from Albany High, grabs a hold of me. He goes, that's what I've been talking about to my athletes. Look at those guys. And you guys... We're out there, you had a body length by the 50. And you came, you had a lead on Tom going into that third turn and he hit the best turn I've ever seen up to that point and came out even with you. And uh, you guys were barreling down and both of you hit and the noise in the place is going berserk and everybody's cheering and you guys are stroke for stroke and you hit the wall and the place goes dead silent. And we look up at the board and there, and the time goes up on the board, 48.56. And, and everybody sits in stunned silence. And then all of a sudden, two ones go up. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and I turn to Mike Panetta and I go, 
damn it! And he goes, what? Your two swimmers just tied for first place. And I go, yeah, I only have one vote. Luckily, one of the other coaches came over and said, hey, I know you have a problem voting for your athletes. We're all voting for both of them. <laughs> problem solved again. But, but that, that one change that year, we, we, you're talking about taking a group of guys that the year before, everything worked. We won a championship doing it that way. And it would have been really easy to continue to just phone it in, say, hey, this is what we did last year, the first week. This is what we're doing this year, this week. In fact, we'll just match up the days and continue to do the same practices. There's a lot of that that goes on in our sport. And, and you've got a whole new group of athletes. You don't have the same team. You've got to do things differently. And, and we changed things and got better. And so for me, that was the reinforcement that I needed. That was the, uh, the evidence, if you will, that, that doing things differently and trying something new, even if you fail, isn't bad because you're. Oh, I can definitely relate to, to a lot of what you're saying there. And, and that story, of course, is near and dear to me. You know, here, here you are your senior year and uh, you and one of your best friends are, are in your best event. That was Tommy's like fourth best event. And, uh, and, and tie at the sectional championship. And we had a very special performance at States that year. We got to re-break our relay records. So that, that was a special year. I wanted to ask you uh, specifically about what it's like coaching at a place like Academy. It, it's a place that's so special to me. I went to school there from first through 12th grade. My father is an alum. Both of my brothers went there and swam for you. Um, it's a pretty special place and, and you embody the teacher coach ethos that's been in place there for, for hundreds, literally hundreds of years. Um, men like Ernie Steck and, and uh, Jim Poole, um, <clears throat> just to name a few. What's it like to coach at a place like that? Oh, for, for, first of all, honored to be mentioned in the same breath with those guys. When I was, when I was the son of a, of a swim coach, son of a public school teacher. Um, and, and growing up, I, 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 I found I wasn't, I, I was a good swimmer. I wasn't a great swimmer, but I found pretty early on that, that I was good at making others around me better. <laughs> Does this sound familiar? And, and, so, so I, I guess that that whole idea of being a good teammate was, was kind of a natural thing for me. And it was my way of contributing, knowing that I wasn't the best guy on the team. And, and like you, Mike, I had, a, I had a kid that came up from behind me. Uh, it was two years younger. And, you know, I was, I was 50.51 in the 100 free. He was going 47. <laughs> and he's two years younger than me. So it, but I saw things in while I was in the water with him that I knew he needed to work on. And, and he got better because I could see those. And, and my father, the coach up on deck, really couldn't see that. But the reason why I bring that up is because I went on to college and I kind of had this sense that I was going to go into education. And in my first year or so at St. Lawrence, there were guys that were talking about going back for their first year reunion, their second year reunion. They said, hey, are you going to go back to your, your high school reunion? I'm like, are you out of your mind? I want it out. As soon as I could get out, I want it out. Um, not to say I didn't have a, a great experience in high school, but it, it wasn't something that I relished. And so, so I found out that each of them had something in common. And that was the, these guys that were going back for reunions had been at, at boarding schools. Uh, and I knew nothing about private education at all. Coming from a, a upstate New York and, and well upstate New York, aren't a lot of private uh, schools around where, where I was from. 
so I, I thought, hey, I'll, I'll give this a shot. I was going into education. I got my master's right out of, right out of undergrad. And uh, the economy at the time was, was not stellar. In fact, it was terrible. But I lived in a dormitory and ran a dormitory in St. Lawrence. I assistant coach. I worked for admissions, part-time job. All those things that fit that kind of bill of being kind of a private school guy. And so I took a, a private school job down in Connecticut and, and being a teacher and a coach was expected. I mean, I coached, I coached three varsity sports while I was at uh, Avon Old Farms down in Connecticut. Came to academy in that first year, I was coaching three varsity sports, uh, head coach swimming, but uh, certainly modified cross country and uh, assisted with track. But, but what that does is it gives you that opportunity to see kids in different, be successful in different areas. And it gives them the opportunity to see you in different areas. Um, you know, one of my colleagues that, that I admire most is uh, Dave Pascone. Now, Dave, Dave Pascone is, is not an athletic kind of he's not a he's not a coach he's not somebody that's 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 out there um, contributing as an assistant coach or in, in any way like that but that guy finds a way to be at every sporting event imaginable I don't know how he does it I don't know how he had that has that kind of time but that support and I watched the way that kids respond to him saying something like Hey, great swim at that meet last night. Uh, you're you're 100 free. Uh, you know, was that your best time? And it's just that showing interest in something that is an interest of the student athlete. You he is able to make connections with kids that that go beyond a coach athlete or teacher student. It is coach teacher student athlete. You name it. And, and, and that, to me, is what we need more of in education. We need more people willing to make those connections with kids. And, and in this day and age, it's really hard with what we're doing here right now, Zooming. I mean, try making connections, personal connections with people when you're sitting behind a computer screen. Um, we were lucky enough to start in-person classes this fall and, and make those connections in the beginning. And, and that's what it's all about. It's, it's all about the connections you make. You know, Mike, you and I are here talking because of the connections that we made back in the day. And, and it's funny, you, you never know where those connections come from. The, the connection between you and I is much deeper than just than me being your coach and me, you being the athlete. Your dad was college roommates with Bill Parks, who were both academy guys together. Bill Parks coached track with my father, knew me from when I was little. Bill Parks said to your dad, hey, I know this guy down in Connecticut that's looking for a job. And your dad wrote a recommendation without ever having met me. <laughs> said, hey, I trust, I trust Bill Parks. And but, but that's, that's the thing, we, we, come, we keep circling back to that word trust and trusting your athletes and trust, you know, there, there's something to be said for, for being able to trust the people you work with and the, the athletes that you coach and the students in your class. And, and I was brought up in a, in a, in a household where you were, you were expected to be honest and trustworthy until you weren't. And you learned that, that those were, were very important moral characteristics. You know, be upstanding, mean what you say, and say what you mean. You know, all those kinds of hokey, old, old-timey sayings, but they still hold true today. And that's what, that's what I love about being at, at Albany Academy and coaching and teaching there. I can teach uh, I can teach the, the lactate shuttle and how lactic acid is not being produced and is not a waste product. 
and is an energy source. And I can teach that in the classroom and then explain that to my athletes when we get to the pool. And, and to have that connection uh, is phenomenal. And, and <laughs> what, one of my favorite things is, is when a, an athlete, especially a younger guy, asks the question, why do we have to do this? And watching the veterans on the team turn to him and say, don't ask that question. Because you get this long lecture about why we have to do this. Oh, you you can go on and on. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> a little listen, bit. Yeah. Dan, uh, Dan's gonna have like five hours of coverage here. That he's gonna <laughs> <have to> boil <laughs> down. Uh, Coach, I I really appreciate your time, and and um, you know we're all busy in these these COVID times. But you you said something that really resonated with me. There is, you know, you and I aren't here talking. Uh, without the unique relationships and connections that, that we are fortunate to have through Albany Academy. And you continue to produce at Albany Academy. And, you know, I'm not sitting here certainly talking about swimming without my experience at Albany Academy. Um, and, and I'm so thankful to you and the program for that. Um, you know, it, we have so much pride in this family about being Academy people. Um, and you're very much a part of that. And my experience was so enhanced because of my time in that program and what it means to me now and what that program means to my athletes without even knowing it. So uh, I wanted to thank you for that. And also, um, you know, I, I think I would be remiss if I, I didn't say all the bets that you lost to us because you had us swimming so fast, shaving your head, painting your bald head, uh, all the gimmicky stuff that you allowed us to do. So I appreciate that too. And, and uh, we, we were talking about this uh, back in back in at the beginning of January when we went back to went back to Zoom classes first, and and students that don't know me prior to this year, when I came on, I had my bald head and my goatee. They're like, "What did you do?" And I said, "It's tradition. I I the first day of practice." This happens. And it was your first day of practice, your senior year that, that this happened because we talked about, you, you know, you shaved down at the end of the season in preparation for your championship. But if we want to, if we want to prepare for that end of the season, we have to start now. So I've been doing this for 22, 23 years now because of you guys. <laughs> I, I do want to tell you that, you know, in 22 years, 50% of the time your program is guaranteed a championship. How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, you, you know, when, when, when I started at Academy and, uh, and we won that first championship, uh, I remember Andrew Assini saying to me, uh, you know, this isn't going to be the, this isn't, it's not going to be the last. And, and, um, <laughs> and and it it the the championship tradition that we that we have cultivated for academy swimming is very near and dear to my heart but but what again helps to keep me grounded is that whole idea that the team i'm coaching now is is the best team i will ever coach you said it i said it at the beginning of this interview uh you said it to me in the past that that was the only championship you ever won in any sport in your athletic career. Up till that point, that was the first one that I had ever won, you know, but, but the guys that won it were the guys in the water and the guys on the board and, and, and the nine that we've won since then, um, every one of those is special to that group of kids. You know, they, that might be their one and only, so, so that whole idea of this being the best team I've ever coached also helps along those lines with, well, what, what, was, your, what was your best championship team? The one that we won just now, the one that, we, that we're going to win next, that's going to be the best because those kids get the opportunity to experience what it means to be a champion, what it means to have that mindset. And that's what it ultimately comes down to. And then you get to point, come back to school and point to the plaque and say, a part of that one was mine. And there's something special about that. Oh, there's no doubt that that, that is a huge sense of pride. Coach, 
really appreciate your time. This is kind of a dream come true for me uh, to get to interview you. And, and, you know, I'm sorry I threw you so many softballs. Next time we bring you on, we'll, we'll get the hard questions going. Yeah, yeah, there, were, there, there weren't a lot of hard ones there. And if you, you keep throwing those beach balls, I'll, I'll kick those down the beach all afternoon. I know, I know. We're, gonna, we're just going to do two quick fire questions. And the first one is, does it take a sub 21 second performance in Tokyo to win the men's 53? Uh, yes. Okay. Does Don't the, ask me who's going to do it. Do, does the eight minute mark in the women's 800 get broken by she who shall not be named? Yes. I think so too. Coach Young, thank you for joining us on the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. We should have this episode up uh, probably late tonight, maybe depending on how quickly Dan and I can work together. I got to go to practice, uh, but uh, I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much, Scott. Hey, hey, Mike, I'll, I'll send you something that we did today. If you want to practice, they hated it. Throw it over. <laughs> you got it, man. Dan, right. it was nice meeting you. Good to meet you, Scott. Thanks. All right. See you guys. See you guys. Thank you.